When I walked into the offices of WOW Women of Wrestling, I had a true WOW moment because I realized that I was truly needed. They needed someone that could organize and execute their vision, and I needed some place that would let my talents shine. I started off at WOW purely working on the business side, but after all this time watching the superheroes train and compete, I just felt I could do it better. Modern day superheroes are smart. They're intelligent. They rule this world with their minds. That's what a superhero is. Keeping your body in shape is simple science. Studying your opponent, psychology. Assisting David McLean, business. Taking over WOW, diabolical. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling with your host, Mr. Green. Thank you for tuning in, and we are up to episode 35. 35. I am starting off and getting off wrong. Let's rewind that. Welcome to review of episode 37, The Schoolyard Brawl. That is the episode that we're working on right now. I don't know what 35 came from. I have no idea. Uh, but before we go into that, I think it's um, appropriate to mention the passing, <coughs> excuse me, of Peggy Lee Leather. This, uh, as I'm recording, this is about a, uh, a week and a half ago, I think. That uh, we uh, that wrestling community unfortunately lost her. Now, for some of you who are not aware of Peggy Lee Leather, but you watched Wild, then you would probably know her mostly as thug that would be the name that on a national level she is probably mostly known by um just to, to go into a, a little bit of it first she she passed away uh at the age of 64 i believe um last that we saw with her on wow she was presented as the what was she, the, the aunt, I think, of of um, Hudson Envy is what she's known as on the independence. She's known as Spike on Wild Television. I know she made a, a return, but a lot of people wouldn't know that because her return took place on the unaired season of Wild. Now you can go and you can watch that, but um. Uh, yeah, I know that's it's kind of lost to time, but anyway, uh, she she had been a wrestler for quite some time. I think she broke into the the business, if I'm remembering correctly, in 1976. She was trained by the fabulous Moolah. We will not go into Moolah's 
uh, background and all that stuff right now, we'll just say that we know that she trained her and we'll move on from that because, you know, Mula carries some polarizing opinions these days. Uh, she had wrestled across multiple promotions nowhere for a great length of time so whereas she had been in the wrestled in the wwf uh and wrestled in the awa uh i think she did some some spots in the nwa as well uh she never really stayed any place for a lengthy period of time where people would say oh yeah i remember her from you know the the rock and wrestling era or you know something along those lines she of course did hook up with David McLean somewhere in his career and um, wrestled with him for with uh, Women of Wrestling. Her first run in the uh, the first season or the first incarnation, whichever one you want to call it, of WoW back in two thousand and one. That's where she originated the Thug persona. She also wrestled in David McLean's kind of forgotten promotion with the uh, with POW, powerful Women of Wrestling. <laughs> which uh, I guess would also kind of serve as somewhat of a spiritual successor to Glow. They all pretty much carried the same tone and vibe and all that stuff like that. Uh, <clears throat> she wrestled as Lady X and uh, LPWA, the Ladies Professional Wrestling Association. She was the women's champion there for quite some time. Uh, she wrestled under a mask as Lady X, but you know that it was her. We, we find that out now later in years uh, gone by. Uh, in Florida Championship Wrestling, she was Peggy Lee Pringle. Uh, now, and I'm sure some people are like, well, who is uh, Peggy Lee Pringle? She was listed as, or billed as the sister to Percy Pringle the third. Uh, for those of you who do not know or recognize the name Percy Pringle, uh, you would probably know him better as Paul Bearer. <laughs> that was the name that he had before he went into the, the WWF. So she, she intermingled and intertwined with a lot of people uh, over the course of her career. It's um, sad to see that this has happened. She was presented in 2013. By a while with the Princess Jasmine Princess Jasmine Trailblazer Award, um, and, uh, I guess those would be the the big things that people would know. <coughs> Excuse me. And I it's it's sad that she's passed. No reasons for her death that I'm aware of as of this recording. So, I mean, so if you're listening to this beyond that, it, it may come up at some other point. But, it, you know, 65 isn't, it isn't an age where you're like, oh, well, she just dropped dead out of old age. I mean, you know, so I'm sure they have to go in there, have to check and see if there's anything else that was going on. But all, all that aside, is is sad to see that uh, that happened, especially, um, when she was part of a a company that's seemingly growing, you would think that her legacy would be kind of tied up into that, and more you know more than anything else. I I don't know if we ever will get a dedication from Wow on their television show. They should. I don't know if we're gonna get that, but they should. 
Uh, it would be somewhat disappointing if they don't, really, because as long as she has wrestled and as many different places that she wrestled over the territories, as far as a promotion that she hung her hat on, more or less, I guess WoW would be the closest. WoW would be the closest promotion that she had been with and and come back to and have some sort of name and legacy attached to. Even though she was never the wild champion, at that point, let's face it, she didn't really need it. And uh, it was probably her job at that point to help elevate the promotion and elevate some of the people that's working underneath her along with it. Uh, and one other quick note of, of her career, she and uh, I was going to say Bambi, but I'm trying to think of her wow name, um, uh, Selena Majors. She and Selena Majors were the, I was going to say first, but we'll just put it this way. The only existing pay-per-view that wow has produced so far, she worked that along with Selena Majors in the main event in a steel cage match in a ridiculously super duper high steel cage but but that's what they did so she and uh others like her got a lot of wrestling across the country various promotions it's unfortunate that uh in some cases we don't get the chance to have their body of work in one location to kind of go through but wow is going to be the closest and uh all I can say at this point is Godspeed, Peggy Lee Leather. And, uh, hopefully we will get to see some sort of tribute action to her in the uh, upcoming weeks or the near future. Rest in peace. All right. I don't know how to transition out of talking about someone being dead into just talking about the show. So I'm just going to start going into the show. So here we have it. It is uh, episode 37. Get it right this time. Schoolyard Brawl is the name, and the original air date for this would be uh, May 27th. <clears throat> it is a standard wow show. I think that is what we should say before we go anywhere with this. It is a standard wow show, and by standard wow, I don't mean bad, but it's also. <clears throat> outside of a main event doesn't really have a lot of things that's pushing forward at the same time so you have to start the show the way they normally start they do give a recap of what took place the prior week and that being uh, Vicky Lynn and Leah McCona in the main event and this helped push the narrative of Vicky Lynn as the glue that holds the Fabulous Four together. I still don't see that, especially when they, you know, can't really prove it. And they also set up for the main event later on today because they have to go back through those things. So that's segment one. Go to segment two is Gigi Gianni in singles competition against Chantella Chella, which I was really kind of surprised about. Uh, and this, I thought they were really pushing this uh, tag team narrative of G Gigi Gianni and her partner, Amber Rodriguez. I mean, they just scored their first win as a team not all that long ago. So uh, my initial thought was, well, they got to keep going. They, they, they finally scored one. They finally got this elusive win. 
I mean, there was little to no point to them getting hooked up and teamed up together because it, nothing's paid off. But they they got the win uh, two weeks ago from this recording over Steffi Slays and Jennifer Gen Z Flores. And as far as I know, there's still a team, but that didn't happen right here. So we'll we'll just assume that they're still together. I hope so. You can never tell with Wow. Wow is is up and down with that sometimes. But here, Chella and Gianni are facing off against each other in this match. Uh, Chantilla starts off by taking Gianni down <clears throat> over and over again. So we're, we're establishing some, uh, some ability here by Chantilla. You know, you know, anybody that's listening already knows I'm not really fond of the name, but, you know, what, do you, what, what can you do? I prefer her name on the indies, uh, Ray Lynn, but, you know, it wouldn't be a, much of a cartoon show if you didn't have cartoon names. So <clears throat> that's how it starts with Chella kind of establishing how good she can wrestle. I, I guess it should be brought up that she threw her cloak or her cape out to the commentator booth like she does. I guess that's her her gimmick now. And uh, what really gives me the only the only reason that we actually see AJ Mendez's face is because Dave McLean takes the cape that was thrown at him and puts it on the shoulders. So. I guess there's no real big drive to have her on TV at this point. Uh, at some point in the match, Gigi, of course, takes control, cuts uh, Chantilla off, and is able to then start establishing control in the match. Uh, I'll be honest, I thought that this was going to be the moment that Gigi would, would do something spectacular and somehow get a score a win. Uh, the, the big turn for her was coming out of the corner where she did a reversal, shot Chantilla into the opposite turnbuckle, which then uh, gave Gianni, as Chantilla was attempting to float over top of her, Gigi catches her ankles and kind of shoots her in between the ropes, which sets her up for that double knee drop from the top. Uh, right across the abdominals of Chantilla Chella. Uh, Gigi also gets a chance to uh, show, uh, I guess, a little bit of a strength spot, hoisting Chantilla from the mat into a firewoman's carry position and hits a cutter for the pin. Uh, didn't score the pin, but she hit it for the pin. So, you know, make of that what you will. Um, but that would not be enough to hold Chantilla Chella down. And, and I like Gianni. I, I really do. I think that she does better in a, a tag team environment. Or at least I would like to them to continue once they started this win. I, I would I hope that it was going to just keep going. But I guess we have to wait a couple of weeks to see. But anyway, the, uh, the coming out of the <clears throat> hoisting her up into the fire woman's carry position, she gets her up on the shoulders, looks like she's going for the TKO. Chella makes a great counter and holds on to the wrist and pulls her, pulls her, her being Gigi, into an arm drag. Gigi gets up, runs towards Chella. She gets wrapped around in a rear waist lock, is able to get, uh, not free, but 
free of a spin heel kick that Chellick was trying to nail her with. But although she ducked that, Gianna gets caught with the big cutter that puts her down for the count. She gets nailed following that quick evasive move from the kick, the duck, but gets caught in that. The pin goes down, and Chella gets it with a one, two, three. Nice match. Nice enough. It was cold, but it was a nice match. It was, it, there's no angle here. It's just, it's, it's really nothing to move, talk about there. You just have to move on. And we're going to the next one where we have her tag team put, you know, I, I pronounce, not, not her tag team, but Gianni's tag team partner, Amber Rodriguez. Uh, I guess I should say before this, they had a little another show recap, and then they go into uh, this. Rodriguez is taking on Razor of the Heavy Metal Sisters. My first notes as I saw this were, are the Heavy Metal Sisters back together? Question mark. Where is Mesmera? Question mark. Uh, the commentators... Pretty much, you know, had to talk about this. I mean, they they talked about um, uh, Mesmer not being there, and I don't know what to make of what was said for it because I. It sounds like in in some places that this could be a uh, a line to wrap up her run and wow. If that makes sense to you, it, you know, you, when sometimes people do and say things in wrestling to write people out of the show, even if it's not explicitly, you know, mentioned that they're being written off. But that basically what I got the impression of is um, there's a comment that D, uh, Stephen Dickey said, if you can't handle a pit, you got to quit. Now that starts off with. Them talking about, oh, yeah, she's and Mesmer. Where's Mesmer? She's not here. I think last I saw, she was at a mosh pit. And then that's where that line comes from. So it's a couple of lines in between that uh, alluding to that she went to some concerts. Uh, within that concert, there was a mosh pit. And she just never returned. So that's why you got the, well, if you can't handle the pit, you got to quit. That was a line from Stephen Dickey. Uh, but... It's, it's that's pretty much where this is going here. I mean, Mesmer is gone, and they seemingly have just written her out of this. I said a while ago that she probably didn't need to be there. With all due respect to Mesmer, now she could show back up, and the only reason I said it is because something there has to be wrong. They've advertised her in previous seasons to have a singles match that never aired, Anytime that she was ever involved in any sort of match, it was the bare minimum. They they almost worked around her, and they being the heavy metal sisters, they they almost worked around her. They would you know get the tags, and they would be Fury and Razor, mostly doing the work, whereas Mesmer could kind of hang in the ringside. Uh, I I I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, again, I I assume that this is the write off. But wow, you never, you never really know. She can be right there tomorrow, for all I know. But the end of this is we have uh, Razor 
now essentially the baby face in the match, even though she doesn't do anything spectacularly baby face. She she's the the one to root. She's the de facto baby face. That's probably a better way to put it. <clears throat> so somewhere in the course of this match, there is a botch. I can only assume that either there was not enough footage of a match for them to intercut into it to uh, fix this or uh, no angles or, you know, something that could be cut out that got, you know, cut to uh, the crowd, anything. I can only assume that those things were just simply not an option or the boss came in and said, oh, yeah, it's perfect, fine, just put it on. Uh, not perfectly fine, but it's not my uh, promotion to run. So, Razor, like I said, they they had a little bit of a a, a botch uh, during the course of the match, where seemingly when Razor is coming in after uh, Rodriguez, she was trying to catch her in what I assume to have been a face plant. But that face plant never took place because Rodriguez didn't go to her belly to take that impact. It's, it's not, you know, unheard of for somebody not to want to, you know, take a, a, a massive bump or Maybe in this case, and I'm leaning towards this, I think there might have just been some miscommunication, and it happens. Sometimes you have people that are in the ring, and you know you might have said something, and you hurt your your opponent. I was going to say partner, but your opponent might have said something, but you might have heard something else, or you might not have understood it. But in either case, this is the botch happened, and the the botch was pretty visible. As this match is going on, they are talking about uh, the heavy metal sisters and 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 them being back together and whatnot. I mean, it, it kind of makes me feel like, what was this for? What what was what was this angle for? It goes back to the same thing I said about a couple other people. Matter of fact, it goes back to the angle I said that Amber Rodriguez was born of i guess it was the, the heavy metal sisters having arguments was like a angle that started off in the middle of the angle is there was no lead into it it just kind of happened and and as fast as it happened seemingly is over i mean fury is here at ringside i was part of this review that i did not bring up fury came out to ringside with her so she was supporting her, which is also what led into them asking about, hey, what happened to Mesmer? Because she was the given manager of the group, and it just, I guess she's missing an action. And uh, I also have to say, I brought up the botch, but I will give the commentators credit that they, they tried their best to um, cover this. Now, I said earlier about Razor that I think she's the de facto babyface, and that's probably the best way to put it because with, with Fury outside, I mean, they still more or less cheated. 
when Fury pushed the ropes toward Razor in order to try and get her uh, to get out of a hole very quickly. Um, that was it, that was it was fine, you know, to for her to do that. But it's like, okay, are we heels or are they babyface? I'm I'm not entirely sure. And following that is where the the big botch took place. If you're just looking, because they they didn't even uh, take it out of YouTube for that matter. And I think you would be able to see that what might have been getting ready to happen is that Fear was trying to take a face plant on Amber Rodriguez that just never took place because Rodriguez didn't go down to receive it. The best they could do at that point was just kind of cut the angle, but they didn't cut it enough to where you could see if it connected. So, again, we, we have to move on from that. Uh, the end of the match, Razor wins with reversing the overdrive into a short arm clothesline. And, again, this is a cold match. It has nothing behind it. The only angle that took place within this match was them recapping the Heavy Metal Sisters, which apparently is over with, over and done. So this, this match was fine. I put it does no favors for Rodriguez. She's back to losing. And she's lost so much. She lost as Commander Spars and she's lost as, or she's losing as Amanda Rodriguez. She's, it's just two different incarnations of her where her wins are very sporadic. I would assume that they'll get around to that and maybe she'll rack up some wins eventually. Who knows? Hopefully. Um, the next match, or not match, the next segment, it is a match, but we'll get to that. Um, it's Raina Del Rey versus Jennifer Flores. This is the next match, and this was essentially a squash, and this also starts talking about things that aren't relative to what's going on in WOW currently. The commentators start talking about how Delray's partner has returned to the wasteland and she's back in singles action. And I, I this, this really kind of bothered me. I was like, what was the point of trying to talk people up onto this new team that we have in WoW, that that again, they came out of nowhere, much like the angles and stuff. It just came out of nowhere. It wasn't it wasn't that we fought each other a couple of times and we we've uh, developed a respect for each other and, and anything like that. They just do not uh, have the they they just cannot get these angles at length. That's the best way that I can say it. They dropped this in the middle of an angle, just like I said with the last one. It's like it started in the middle. They just came out one day, and they were together. And we were supposed to care. We were supposed to, oh, man, it's a team now. Yay, we were supposed to be into it. You as a viewer were supposed to be into that. And not two, three weeks later, her partners left. She's back in... The Wasteland, according to there. And now Delray is in singles competition. Well, why did they bother with this angle? And it, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't do anything. It didn't help Wrecking Ball. It didn't help uh, Delray. It just, why did they bother? It, 
this isn't a knock on the match, by the way. The match is fine. It is what it's supposed to be, but I just don't get it. This was a big person, little person match. It's David and Goliath. I don't know the female uh, incarnation that I can say. And it's really not even worth talking about uh, one uh, angle to the or one spot in the match to the next. <clears throat> this was a showcase for Del Rey. It was a glorified squash match. And for the third time in this episode, you've got a cold match with nothing really there that was fine and just watching. But if you're looking at it, to get something deeper or if you're looking at it because <clears throat> uh, it's, you're looking at it before some some sort of uh, back and forth classic, you're probably not going to get that. Um, so it, it just it just was what it was. That, that's all I've got. It really could have used a promo. It was clean win. That's the other thing. It was clean win by Del Rey. Could have used the promos to kind of Elevate the the whole situation, but there's oftentimes that we get promos in and wow that are pretty vague. They're surface level, and they just leave it that. Flores looked good in the match. She just did not look like she could overcome the match. So we're talk, just talking about her visual aesthetic. She was a, a you know very attractive young lady. It just in this environment she could not overcome. Uh, the Venomous, see what I did there, Raina Del Rey. It was clean win, Del Rey wins. We will move on. There's a preview of next week's show, tag title match, the Tongans versus Sweet Heat and the Steffi Slays versus Chainsaw. <clears throat> Those are the matches that they are preparing for. You get it? We get a Samantha Smart profile video. And, and, and this one, this one, I liked. I I like this one because she stayed in character. She wasn't being herself talking about Samantha Smart. She kind of blended Samantha Smart with who she is. And it being done in character works. She wasn't talking about her hardships and heartache and this happened to me and blah, blah, and I'm happy to be a wild superhero like everybody else did before they got there. She didn't do any of that. She talked about why she left. Uh, I forget which, what area of Indiana she said she was from, but she talked about things like why she left. She's like, do you know about anything that's in such and such Indiana? So you're right. And, uh, no one, no one can think of anything good in there. That's why I left. So she came across as a snobbish and arrogant heel, and it was great. Her winning or losing following this, particularly when she's talking herself up and she's talking about Samantha Smart, how, how brilliant she is and all this stuff and how she manages to, to uh, keep on top and that she's IQ superior and all that stuff. Her losing after having a vignette like that is not a big issue. In fact, you would kind of want it at that point. So I think they, they did very well here. I just hope that they do not go back to, to form and back to the thing that I was complaining about. That being having these vignettes and promos and video packages for people who are going to go out there and lose no less than five minutes later. Here, like I said, didn't matter. 
didn't matter what her her purposes was beyond this. Uh, and this was doing well done. Next segment was the backstage segment with the disciplinarian and Samantha Smart prepared for the match. And, that, you know, talk about I can't believe that they'd have us do this. But they, they look unified, which I thought was also good. Uh, we cut to Randy Rara and Coach Campanelli basically doing the same thing in their locker room or their bathroom, whatever you want to call it. And they're packing up these book bags loaded with um, schoolyard items that they can use within the course of the brawl. Uh, this video rolls into a feud recap that sets up the main event for this brawl. I don't know if uh, I would say a feud. I, 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 I guess if we're going to talk about uh, Ra Ra and and Campanelli. Against the disciplinary Samantha Smart, I, I suppose it's a few, but I, I, I guess it's more of Randy Rara and Samantha Smart rather than the teams. But that's also neither here nor there. The end result is that all four are in this this um, unsanctioned, uncensored match. Well, I can't say unsanctioned; it's sanctioned by WoW, but uncensored match. Uh, I don't think I said how Delray won. Now that I'm uh, thinking about, it. before I get too far, for anybody, she, I, I want to say, Raina Delray does come off like a, I was uh, almost a complete badass, As, and uh, you have to appreciate that she just didn't have anybody else to feud with anymore. The fact that the beast kind of disappeared, it took, it took her uh, primary rival out of the picture. But to answer how she won, Dragon Sleeper on Gen Z. But before before she taps out or passes out, Delray lets her go. She lets her go so that she can stagger around wondering where she's at until she gets a clothesline in the back of the head by Raina Delray. That puts it down for the count. One, two, three. There you go. She moves, you know, it moves on. So let's go now into our main event. Coach Campanelli and Randy Rara versus the disciplinarian and Samantha Smart. Notice there is no G.I. Jane here. G.I. Jane, who was um, somewhat labeled as part of the group. I mean, they never officially said that, I guess. But she had been there, and I appreciate the fact that somebody in commentary brought it up rather than just letting this slide. Somebody in commentary brought it up. And where's G.I. Jane? So what if she's there? Now, I, I appreciate that they at least acknowledge it. That That is a plus. So let's go back to some of this, to you know, for those who might not know why they're in this thing. I mean, of course, they, they leave a little um, segment to recap everything, how they got here. It was a, a, a nice transition of a feud between Campanelli and Rara um, because Campanelli and Rara, former tag team champions, they were coming out of a feud with uh, Miami Sweet Heat. And... 
<clears throat> I want to say fortunate for them. I mean, they had to move on at some point. So that they got kind of wrapped up into this new thing uh, wasn't all that bad. And it starts off with, you know, basically Samantha Smart just being a bully. And the key point of this feud is why I'm recapping it so that when we get to the end of this, it hopefully makes some sort of sense, or at least they try to. The key point here is that Samantha Smart decided that she wanted to, I guess, teach them a lesson, and she brought the whistle of Coach Campanelli back to their locker room after she had lost it, allegedly. Of course, we find out she, you know, Smart stole it. Now, keep in mind, Samantha Smart, they were getting ready to have this tag team match uh, just before this. This would have been... G.I. Jane, as we just stated, uh, with the disciplinarian taking on Campanelli and Rara. But since this fast acting glue was there and Randy Rara acts like an eight year old sometimes, she's like, oh, can I blow the whistle? So rather than getting it on Coach Campanelli, they got it on Randy Rara and she could not open her mouth because it set so fast. So now they go, they went into the match, and then, you know, Randy couldn't wrestle well because she couldn't breathe uh, she, or she couldn't take a deep breath. And the disciplinarian and uh, Jane won. At least, yeah, I believe it was G.I. Jane. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> the next thing was a match with the stipulation that if Coach Campanelli is able to get and defeat the disciplinarian, which. Surprise, surprise, she did. Randy Rara would get five minutes along with Samantha Smart. Campanelli won. Rara gets the five minutes, but Samantha Smart runs. Now, I didn't like the idea that she ran around and all that stuff like that. It made sense, but, you know, I, I didn't necessarily care that she ran around because I, I wanted it to get some more heat on Smart before they actually got to it, and I didn't understand why the match ended abruptly when no one made a call. But the fact that they got to this point following it at least justifies the non-ending ending. So Smart runs out, and that's when we're like, hey, because chalk was thrown in the eyes of Randy Rara as she was chasing Samantha Smart, it got thrown out there. Oh, okay, you want to play with schoolyard things? Well, why don't we just bring everything? We can bring books and, and rulers and staplers and blah, 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 blah. And we'll just make it a schoolyard brawl. On the surface of it, that sounds silly. On the surface. But I, I, I have to admit, I have to admit, this works for them. If ever there was a time to have something like this, it works for them. All four of these people, this fits. You've got an evil teacher with the disciplinarian. you got Samantha Smart, who's allegedly you know, a genius. Coach Campanelli and Randy Rara, all school-bound things. This works, and it works fine. I have no problem with it. I mean, it's not like I haven't heard sillier names elsewhere. <laughs> so... So the schoolyard brawl, perfectly fine, works for me. And quite honestly, this is a one-match show. Uh, all matches that I just talked about before were were good matches. They they 
they're, they're fun to watch. Everybody did a good job. You know, uh, Gigi Gianni and Chantilla Chella, fine match. Amber Rodriguez and Razor, botch aside, fine match. Del Rey and Flores. Flores did exactly what she was supposed to do. She wasn't. She didn't need to be competitive. She got a couple of spots in, but ultimately Del Rey won the match convincingly. But none of those three matches had anything to them. There were no angles there. There was no story. There was nothing that built to or came from any of them. It just they were just they were just matches to fill the hour, more or less. And that, that's. I, I wish I could say it was different, but that's ultimately what it came down to. It just matches to kind of fill the hour. <clears throat> so uh, both teams, getting back to the main event, come out with book bags full of quote-unquote weapons. You know, now I, I use the term weapons loosely because, you know, this, these are all schooled items. Uh, you can see uh, what is it's hard to, to see whether she glued it together or not. But I know back in the day, I, I haven't been in a school store in a while. My mother was a teacher. <laughs> That's how I know these things. But uh, she had like a multitude of yardsticks. And for a while, it looked like they were just kind of glued together to be this big one, massive one. Uh, but she put a few of them down and just went in with the one. Now, and it's, And that one was still thick. And the one item that I wanted used, if anything else, and it was a perfect time for it, this woman walks around, the woman being uh, the disciplinarian, she walks around with a gigantic paddle <laughs> of all the weapons to have and not use. Why not this paddle? I mean, that, this thing is thick. Go back and look at it on TV. It is it is a thick-ass paddle. <laughs> If I wanted to go into any sort of fight and I wanted to knock somebody out and I only had these items presented to me, I mean, because they got a bunch of silly items, let's, let's be honest. What are you going to do in a fight with a notebook? I mean, yeah, you can smack somebody in the head with it, but there's, I don't know if that notebook is going to be the thing that's going to help you win. This paddle can help you win. But, you know, they probably didn't want to utilize that because that would look too serious. Sometimes I get the impression that Wild does not want to be overly serious with that. They just want to, you know, be kind of kind of serious, but not too. I mean, I don't know what their middle ground is because all the characters and costumes and colors and all that stuff would make you think that is for kids. But the show comes on like eleven o'clock at night, so it's, it can't be directed for kids specifically. I don't know. I don't know what the middle ground here is. In any case, the match, <clears throat> and I'm going to apologize for clearing my throat like that. You know, I, I, I don't know what the hell is happening. Anyway, they get into the ring, and what happens is what you would expect to happen. The heels jump start the match. Nothing wrong with that. That's what the heels are supposed to do. And I think in the within this kayfabe universe, I mean, let, let's let's take this for what it is just for a second. In this kayfabe universe of wow, I, I I loves me the disciplinarian. I liked Ivory Robin or Robin Reed better because Robin Reed could win. The disciplinarian 
has a horrible track record. She's lost far more than she's ever won over the course of two or three years in a while. So, and I'm willing to bet that if she had 10 matches, on the average, eight of them she'd lose. On the average. If I am the, uh, not the disciplinarian, if I was Samantha Smart, I would want G.I. Jane to be in there with me. G.I. Jane basically helped secure the first win that that stable has had. Or maybe the most significant. And Jane and the disciplinarian look good together. It's understood that she's not there, and you know the commentators did bring it up, so we can't go and be like, "Where's G.I. Jane?" They already they already addressed that. It just seemed like uh, if if there was a time for Samantha Smart to try to do anything to save herself and get some somebody a surprise, I guess this would have been it. But. We, we go with the, the disciplinarian here because for all intents and purposes, it's somewhat of a handicap. Not a handicap match in that she's running back and forth trying to fight both of them. A handicap in that it's been established that Samantha Smart's a manager in this universe and she doesn't really have a lot of physicality underneath her. And she looks it. Like she, when the match started after that quick jump, she... Seemed like she wanted to fight Campanelli, but she couldn't. <laughs> it's like she didn't know what to do, so Campanelli just kneed her in the guts and threw her outside. That's where you got the disciplinarian and uh, smart kind of not conversing, but I, I guess going over game plan, whatever you want to call it. And then the match is off and is underway. And this is why I say I don't know what they are aiming for with that because most times when we get these kind of uncensored brawls, I mean, they are all over the place. And it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be dangerous items. Look up the Memphis uh, concession brawl. I mean, it's famous for that. Now, you ain't got to look up the Memphis one. Look up one in WCW, the Harlem Heat versus the, the Nasty Boys. Usually when we see these type of uh, fights and brawls, it, it, it's – Done with a little bit of uh, seriousness to it. This didn't really have that. It was entertaining, but the seriousness of it was somewhat at a minimum. It was just enough to provide the match without any visible uh, dangerous items. That's probably the, the only way I can really describe it. You have them throwing small dodgeballs at each other. I can't even say big ones. I mean, they're, they're like the, the size of maybe a grapefruit, but they're, but they're dodgeballs and, you know, air and plastic. They're not like the big ones back in the day that was, you know, could stand in front of your chest. You know, they had a tennis racket, but no one used a tennis racket on each other. Instead, Randy Rara is standing in the aisle and she's, uh, taking shots at the ping pong balls or whatever they were because I really couldn't see them all that well being thrown at her. Samantha Smart's trying to duck and dodge. Uh, Randy Rara takes a, a group of notebooks and hits her with it. Coach literally has papers in her hand 
as a as a weapon and blows the whistle in the disciplinarian's face and she runs off holding her ears. The coach is writing stuff on the paper. I don't know what and I don't know why. That just seems stupid. Uh, you get some very light love taps of this tennis racket on the disciplinarian from Randy Rara. It's, it's just, and they're throwing things. Now, Samantha Smart running around and running away, that makes sense because she's not a wrestler, which goes back to the whole thing that I said that <clears throat> The disciplinarian, for lack of a better term, and more or less is, is involved in the handicap match because she had to do the bulk of the work. While Samantha Smart ran and dud, ducked and dodged, and she threw things at Ra-Ra or Campanelli when necessary, but she didn't really get engaged with them any more than she had to. So let's go towards the end of the match. But but I mentioned all of the items that were used to say or to back the point that I'm not sure who this match was to appeal to. The match is fine. I'm not saying that the match isn't fine. But it's it's just it kind of exists in this weird space. Because this is supposed to be a blow-off match. This is a blow-off match of what was supposed to have been a feud, even though if it was short. But it's done so lightly that it's hard to take serious at times when I'm seeing this person throwing these light balls at each other. And I'm going to stand here in the aisle way as you throw these ping pong balls and I'm going to try to swat them. It's things like that. The end of the match is Samantha Smart's on the outside. Remember, like I said, she had ducked and she had dodged. And by the end of this thing, basically what she was doing is she just was on the apron. She she did not get in to, to help. But Smart uh, had the yardstick in her hand. She gave a small swat to Ra-Ra, just enough to kind of make her angry. And then the disciplinary runs across, and she slams Samantha, not Samantha, she slams Ra-Ra. Ra-Ra's down. Then she runs across, and she gets Coach Campanelli in a full Nelson, which sets Campanelli up for the hit from Samantha Smart. However, as you would guess it, Campanelli ducks. Smart brings the yardstick down on the disciplinarian, which knocks her out cold, which I I am still of the mindset that it should be something else. That that yardstick, even though I'm sure it hurt like a mother, that yardstick doesn't seem like it would be enough to knock you out unless you really brought the thunder with that thing, like he brought it down like a hammer. And even then, I mean, I, I could see if she was writhing around in pain on the floor, but not necessarily knocked out. But in this instance, she's knocked out and she's out cold, you know. And so now Smart comes in like, "Oh my God, what did I do?" You know, she completely ignoring the fact that she had somebody behind her that was, uh, you know, ready to take her out at a moment's notice. Ra Ra comes back in the ring. She has a pom pom in her hands, takes a quick jab at her face, and knocks Samantha Smart out as well because it looks like she popped her in the face with a hole puncher. I know they said. Um, stapler on the uh, in the commentary but it looks like a three punch hole puncher to me so 
They win. Campanelli and Rara, the former tag team champions, win the match. And now came the spot that good production worked against the commentary. So at the end of the match, uh, not Campanelli, Rara wanted to, I, I guess we'll say get even. So she takes a ruler that she sees on the, the I guess, the other side of the ring. She picks up a pencil, look like she's going to draw on her face initially, but she, she doesn't do that. So she she goes and she gets the, a ruler that's uh, laying around, and she goes to Samantha Smart and crams it into her mouth so that the ruler is sideways, and she's got her mouth wrapped around the ruler. And now you got the commentators, not just the commentators, you got David McClain in particular. Oh, my, Dave glued her mouth shut. Now, the problem with that was is that the camera was directly in the face of uh, Samantha Smart. Her lips weren't even closed. She had her teeth on the on the ruler, which I, I guess with this fast-acting superglue, it could have been that her teeth was closed shut. But that wasn't the case. I mean, there was clearly nothing on the ruler also. If you're going to do angles like that, I mean, you know, at, at least you could get the prop. It, it doesn't take much. You can, you can smear Vaseline on it. And that's an easy thing. You can you could have had Campanelli take a you know a, a tube of ointment, something that wasn't going to kill Samantha Smart. Obviously, tell don't don't swallow this. But you could have had her take a tube of mild ointment or something like that, squeeze it on this, hold it up so that people can see it, claim that is glue. Have you have your props department or somebody fix it so that the label's covered. Claim that as glue, put it on there, have something to, to spread it out and smear it or whatever, and then put it in her mouth and instruct her, close your lips around this so people can see the ointment or, you know, the, quote, glue on your lips. You can't blame the cameraman here. The cameraman probably was doing what he was instructed to make sure you get this shot. You can blame... Uh, I almost don't want to even blame David McClain because these things do happen in wrestling. They happen because the commentator, whomever it happens to be, calls what they know is supposed to happen opposed to what they see. That's, it's not a common thread. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen, and particularly when you're told, and at the end, this is going to happen. I'm going to do such and such, and, then, and you're just calling it. And that was the problem. They just called it, they, or he just called it. Oh, look at her teeth. Her mouth is sealed shut. And when it was very evident and it was very obvious from the teeth shot to the later shot when Samantha Smart closed her lips on the, on the ruler, that her mouth was not legitimately glued. Now, we don't want her mouth glued in real life, but at least help me back up the illusion. That's all. 
That's all we're looking for out of that. And I reiterate, these type of things happen when you call what you know was supposed to take place opposed to what you're seeing. One of the biggest examples of that came from somebody who's largely regarded as one of the greatest commentators in the world. Jim Ross from years and years and years ago. I forget the, I want to say SummerSlam 96. But the match was, man, no, not Mankind. It's, it's Mick Foley, but I, was, but I was about to say the wrong personality. Uh, Dude Love. Was it Dude Love? No, no, I was, I was right at first. It was, it was, it was Mankind. Uh, it was Mankind taking on the then Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Fast forward to the end of the match because they had already told the world that oh, he grew up loving Superfly Jimmy Snooker. He wants to come off the cage and yada, yada, yada. So Mick Foley goes to the top of the cage and what was supposed to take place is he was going to rip the shirt open and there would be a heart-shaped tattoo symbolizing dude love and before he came off with the big elbow from the top. What you got was a shirt tear and a red smear on his chest because it wasn't an actual tattoo. <laughs> and it wasn't even, uh, what do they call the hemp tattoo? The henna? It, I don't even know that thing existed at the time. But it wasn't, a, it wasn't used with a, used. It wasn't put on with a paint or something that could resist that. And they have those, but. Apparently, they didn't use it that day. So, the sweat that he had in the match, just it just smeared it off. But yet and still, you had Jim Ross. Oh, my God, you, the heart, the dude. He called it anyway. Regardless of that, he didn't see it. Because that was what was supposed to happen. And it, 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 all it did was it served to make that scene look silly. So... In this case, and the only reason I point this out to David McLean is that he is not just a commentator. He's the executive producer. He's the general manager. He's the lead commentator. He's the host of the show. You know, he, he's he does everything. Now, I'm sure he's probably the producer backstage, too. So with something like that, the first thing I would tell her, take that line out. If I heard it again and I saw what I saw on that screen, just take it out. Don't have me on screen saying something that we know clearly isn't true. Take that line out. I, I could do some ADR. I can redub it. Just take the line out. But that that's where it was. And and good prevails in this instance. Uh, Campanelli and and uh, Ra Ra get their <clears throat> get their win, and they get even with Samantha Smart. And you get the last promo, which was pretty short and sweet by Campanelli. Uh, outside of her addressing what just took place, it, 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 even though she does well as in the commentate and not kind of promos, it was generic and, and directionless. It's, it's not like it went somewhere beyond that. It, I, I start to get the impression that some of these ladies if not all of them are are instructed to don't be too specific in these promos because it, it seems like this is a running theme 
you can give somebody that a cut a promo. And if it happened directly in front of or or after their match, they can come out there and do a promo, but it's usually not very specific. It's, it's kind of vague. The closest thing I've gotten to a specific promo aimed at somebody is maybe the Tonga Twins. But everybody else is like, you bring them on, I'll take on anybody. I'll do this. I, you know, I'm the champion. Uh, that's what winners do. You're welcome. You know, and, and that Campanella catchphrase that she's trying to get over, you're welcome. I don't know if she'll be successful getting over, getting it over, but uh, seems like she's trying. But that was the show. This entire show, except for the main event, was all cold matches. The matches were fine, but none of them had any lead-ins or follow-ups. So this is a one-match show. Uh, more the more the matches and saves probably could have used some promos or you know some follow-up time with the wrestlers. It, it could have helped fill blanks and it could have helped get some people into whatever next phase of of wrestling life they need to be in in a while. But yeah, this, this was a, a one-match show. Not not a not a horrible thing, but it is it is what it is. I mean, I, what else can I say that? If you're tuning in based on you having watched WoW as a series up to this point, the only match that you should be concerned about or want to see is the, what, maybe eight-minute match of maybe that of the uh, schoolyard brawl. And that will be that. I wish I had more. This is like the second or third time I did, I did this because when they don't have a lot of angles in the match, there's not really much to, to go into. But I, that's what happened. We we don't really have a lot of angles here. They're just you know they're just kind of matches, matches with good people, but just just matches. And they didn't you know most of them didn't go anywhere. And this was a complete blow off. So now we got to wonder what is next. On the, the line or, or, or for Campanelli and Rara, they're going to go back for the championships. What's next for the disciplinarian and Samantha Smart? Last house, Samantha Smart got uh, the mother trucker's truck towed out of Los Angeles and sent to Tennessee. I mean, she must be making some good money to do that. But <clears throat> what is next? Who knows? And on that note, I would like to wish you all a thank you, a very fond thank you for tuning in to this episode, the rights and wrongs of pro wrestling. I, I wish there were some stuff, more stuff to go in depth on, but you know, sometimes you have days like that. But as we move, we will prepare for the next week's program, which Theoretically, it should be a far better show. It's got another tag team main event. It would be the Tonga Twins taking on the Miami Sweet Heat when they finally get the rematch that they have been asking for or, or allegedly asking for. And so that works for me. I would love to see it, and I'd love to talk about it. That is it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Rights and Wrongs. Pro Wrestling Podcast. I absolutely appreciate you taking your time out of your day and or night to uh, support this channel and support the endeavors of 
<clears throat> cutting up uh, reporting on women's wrestling. If you are so kind, please feel free to stop by the website WPNWrestling.com if you want to support our product in any way. You can go there. There's the nexus for everything that is tied into the uh, WPN. That's our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube. They're, they're all connected from there. It is the nexus of all WPN activity. And Hopefully, when uh, WoW comes back, we will have some surprises that I will be uh, able to report and say that I was looking forward to and some real and some good matches. Time will tell. We give it a week, and then we will know. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.